I guess we will we will go ahead and start then. So let's uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to to come together to worship you, to to look into your word. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us during this time that we would come to understand your word better. Uh, Lord, as we delve into the 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 idea of uh, you reconciling us to yourself through the death of Christ. Lord, I I just pray that as we consider that, that it would uh, just drive deep into our hearts, that we would uh, just appreciate the the great love you have for us and and realize the, the condition we were in before that reconciliation and the great benefit it is. Uh, Lord, just that you would be exalted in our minds as we consider your mighty works. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we are continuing our study on the doctrine of the atonement, um, the the death of Christ uh, for us. by way of review, what did we talk about last week? The necessity of the atonement. The necessity of the atonement, yes. Centrality. And the centrality, yes. That was the the shorter section of it, but yeah, so it was the centrality of it and the necessity of it. Um, And what what was our just like summary conclusion as far as the necessity of the atonement? Say that God had to atone for our sins in exactly the way that He did. Right. Yes. When you consider the our situation, where we have a holy God and sinful people who are justly deserving of the wrath of God, the only way that we can be saved is if that wrath is satisfied in a substitute, and so uh, a substitutionary sacrifice was the only the only option that God had if he was going to save sinful mankind. So, very important um, just understanding of uh, what was going on with the death of Christ. Well, this morning we're going to talk specifically about reconciliation. We're going to for the next few weeks we'll be going over various words that are used in reference to the death of Christ um, and the benefits of that being applied to us and so this morning it's on reconciliation so how would you define reconciliation that's a word we use in our everyday English Uh, so how would you define reconciliation Actually, self-described. You know, we've been we've been reconciled. We've been we've been brought in relationship with God. Okay. And that's one of them words that actually defines itself. You know, if you know what reconcile means, you know what reconcile means. Right. Uh, I think. I mean, that, that, uh, and implied in that is that there we were at odds. Mm-hmm. You know that there was a a break in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, um, implied in the word is the, the idea of disrupted relations, right? Of, of enmity, of alienation, of hostility. Um, and so the, the reconciliation is the removal of those things. Um, the sad part is that we're born. We're born in a broken relationship. We're born estranged from God. Yeah, that is the condition of, of all mankind. And due to the fall, um, all of us are born alienated from God. Um, and I guess that, that is that is the next question. What is the cause of the alienation? Yeah. What is it? Don't sin. Sin? Sin, yeah. Sin is the, is the answer. Uh, both the original sin, the, the, the first sin, um, Adam's sin, and our continued sin. Uh, Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So there we see that, that alienation, that separation, that disruption of relationship with God because of our sin. So if there is hostility between us and God, what direction is the hostility? Is it God's hostility toward us? Is it our hostility toward God? Is it both? What do we think? Definitely our hostility towards God. Okay. As far as God's hostility towards us, sin is definitely a barrier that separates us from God. Mm -hmm. So I guess in some sense I would say yes. Okay. Both ways. Both ways. Okay. Yeah, and that sometimes that enters into, you know, we've all heard the saying, of saying it, you know, God loves the sinner but hates the sin, or mm-hmm. God says, well, the Bible says God hates hates sinners, too, mm-hmm. not just their sin. Mm-hmm. And that we hate to, we don't even like to think that God hates us, but right. you know, possibly it was the time, maybe. Yeah. And, of course, God has loved us from all eternity, but until he hates us at times, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's hard to, hard to right. put into words. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not um, <coughs> favorable to um, at least modern sensibilities, uh, the mm-hmm. idea that God hates sinners, that he's angry with sinners. Um, but certainly there is a, a sense in which the Bible talks about God's anger, his, his hatred toward sinners. This morning, R.C. is still in the book of Romans on Leganair. He's in the ninth chapter of Romans. You know, R.C. is quite strong in saying, God hated Esau. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, Yeah, it is definitely in there. Let's look at a couple of passages that address that question. Um, Romans 8, 6 through 8. Eight six through eight it says for the for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God, to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That actually kind of threw me a little bit because I just recently changed my notes from New American Standard to ESV, and that was that was very different in the way it began. So, um, so what do we see here? Um, it talks about hostility, right? What direction is the hostility? The flesh is hostile towards God. Okay. Yeah. So it's a man to God hostility, right? So clearly we see that our sin in in disrupting this relationship has caused us to be hostile towards God. Now this is specifically talking about unregenerate man. Um, so, obviously, when we get to reconciliation, there's you know the hostility is going to uh, is going to be taken away. I mean, there's also maybe not hostility exactly, but at the end it says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he's not he's not pleased. Yes. As that, that can that can be derived from that passage. We'll look at something a little more clear uh, with respect to that. But yeah, obviously God is not pleased with, with mankind because of, of what they do. Um, but I think the the primary focus there is the, is that is the inability of uh, sinful man to do anything that is in accordance with God's law. So on the flip side. Um, and Ken was alluding to passages like this. Psalm chapter 5. Psalm 5. Verses 4 through 6. Psalm 5, 4 through 6. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So what direction is the hostility in this passage? God hates the evildoers. Yeah. Yeah, God hates the evildoers. So the hostility is going that way, too. So when we talk about the hostility, the alienation between God and man, the Bible presents it very clearly as we have hostility toward God and God has hostility toward us. So we need to understand that it goes both ways there. Um, Both of those things are very much a reality. Now, when the Bible speaks of our being reconciled to God, whose hostility is in view. I'm not necessarily expecting you to be able to answer that unless you've studied this before. But um, that's an important question, right? I think it would have to be both. Okay. The most, I I don't know if this is right or not, but I I would venture that the most important reconciliation that needs to happen is that God needs to love us. But because we need to be saved from the wrath that is to come. But uh, we used, it says in, is it, is it, but we used to be haters of God. Mm-hmm. We are no longer that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. 
kind of going back to what we were talking about, though, there's a difference between the hostility of God towards the evildoers and our hostility. We hate God because we hate God. We want to be our own God. We want to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. God does not like evil because he is holy. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't do anything to cause that aggression. Mm -hmm. We do everything mm -hmm. that separates us. So there's a little difference in mm -hmm. the... You know, when we we got to be careful when we say God's hostile towards us because God doesn't do anything to make us. I mean, He's given us. I mean, even right now, I mean, we breathe fresh air. Mm -hmm. We have reason to glorify Him. Yet we still wake up in the morning and want to do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there is a difference there. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reconciliation is probably to get back to your question. It, it's probably more man towards God than okay. God towards man. Okay. Because in reading Murray's book, there's something that he pointed out that I found uh, important to think about because we always think of the propitiation mm -hmm. of sin. God, you know, Christ satisfied God's wrath. And we always think that, in my mind anyhow, God satisfied God's wrath or Christ satisfied God's wrath so he could love me. That's not the case. God loved me mm -hmm. and he satisfied God, Christ, God's wrath. Mm -hmm. But he did it because he loved me. So he's the one that actually went out to me so that I can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of what you said is just like really important stuff. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up. Just the... You know, we talk about, I mean, I guess I'm just going to reiterate what you say, um, uh, just in slightly different words, but uh, when we talk about the wrath going both, or not the wrath, the, the, the hostility going both directions, it is important to realize that there is a difference. Now, there is, there really is just a single ground for that hostility, and it is our sin. Um, and it's it's not because God has sinned. When when we have our hostility toward God, it really is. It's, I mean, that's just a, a manifestation of our sin. Um, it's it's our rebellion against our Creator. Um, but God's hostility towards us is His righteousness and justice reacting to our sin. And so it's a very different type of thing. It's it's a it's in a sense it's a justified hostility, whereas our hostility is a completely unjustified hostility. It's it's something that is a part of our rebellion. So that's a that's a, a great point to bring that up. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's maybe dive in a little bit and let's see how the Bible uses the term reconciliation. Um, and try to try to get a look at this. Um, now, uh, there are those who want to downplay the idea that of of God being hostile toward us, um, or the idea of the atonement uh, was made to appease God's wrath. Um, and Bill mentioned uh, propitiation. Propitiation is one of the topics we are going to cover uh, in detail as we as we go forward. Um, and they're going to argue um, that uh, reconciliation is primarily about God removing our hostility toward him. Um, 
But we needed to we need to make sure that we have a biblical understanding of reconciliation. So we want to look at this um, when we when we look at the way that the the Bible uses the term. Um, the Bible speaks of reconciliation both as an action and as a result. Um, as an action, just the the, the phraseology, uh, it says that God reconciled us to himself. And then as a result, uh, it says that we are to be reconciled to God, uh, or that we are reconciled to God. Now, it never says that God is reconciled to us, um, but that we are reconciled to him. That's the, the way the, the terminology is expressed. So when we speak of God reconciling us to himself as an action, this is kind of our question. Um, are we talking about him taking away uh, the cause of his hostility toward us, or are we speaking of God taking away our hostility towards him, or are the cause of our hostility towards him, whichever way you want to say it. Um, and when we speak of our being reconciled to God, as a result, are we talking about putting away our own hostility toward God, or are we speaking of entering a state where God is no longer hostile toward us? Um, now, in a sense, both of these have elements of truth in them, and as, as we've talked about it, I mean, you know, the, the hostility is removed on both sides um, when we are saved. Um, but the Bible has a certain, at least, emphasis um, when it comes to reconciliation, and that's what we want to discover. Um, so is the focus our, on, on our hostility toward God or God's hostility towards us? Um, so in order to properly understand the biblical usage, I want to begin, um, and I'm just going to follow basically Murray's pattern of approach here, by looking at how the Bible uses the word reconciliation in human relations. Um, and so Matthew 5 is uh, a place where this comes up. Matthew chapter 5 should be a pretty familiar passage uh, in verses 23 and 24. Here Jesus is speaking and he says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So, we see here the command that Jesus is giving is to be reconciled to your brother. Now, if, if, if we were to put that in terms of the way the Bible uses it in reference to our reconciliation with God, which, which, which of those would fit us and which would fit God? If the, if the terminology is be reconciled to your brother. Which matches the biblical usage for us and God? Are we told to be reconciled to God, or is God to be reconciled to us? That would be us being reconciled to God, because by reconciling with our brother, we're coming, can't be a clean slate, but coming having confessed our sins and trying to reconcile as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's true. 
So, but the but the, you're you're correct. The, the terminology when it talks about us being reconciled to God is us being reconciled to God, not God being reconciled to us. And so, it, as we look at this illustration of the way being reconciled is used, uh, just with human relations, it puts the person who Jesus is speaking to in the place of us, and it puts the offended brother in the position of God, just in the in the in the basically the syntax of how that's used. Is that is that clear? I'm, I'm hoping I'm making that sufficiently clear. Um, I just want to, as we look at the way that it's used here, I want to make sure we have the proper parallel for when we're thinking about how it relates to us and God. Well, let me let me ask the question here. In in this passage, what direction is the hostility? Who has hostility toward who in this passage? And Jesus is saying, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So where's where's the hostility here? Not Sorry? He has something against you. Okay. So I'm assuming that's the hostility there. Okay. So the brother who has something against you is hostile toward you. Is that my understanding you correctly? How you seem uncertain, so. How would we, I mean, sometimes, how do we know that your brother has something against you? Okay. You know, that's I'm not sure that Jesus addresses that question, yeah. but he, he says here that you remember that your brother has something against you. So in some way or another, yeah. the example person knows that the brother has something against them. Like if you come in the church door and you say hi, and he just turns around and ignores <laughs> it and knows, what's he mad at me about? <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, Jesus isn't real explicit. I mean, I think he yeah. probably deliberately makes it pretty general so that it could apply to lots of different situations. But it's, you know, he's basically saying, you're aware that your brother has something against you. So how should you react in light of that? So he doesn't address the question of how you became aware of that. Okay. The single guys don't really, well... Now, the married guys know when their wife is upset with them about something. Right. Sometimes, just by the way she looks at him, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. So, how you become aware of it is not really the question. But um, are we are we agreed that it's the brother who has the hostility? Any any objections to that? Is it not clear? I, I wouldn't say. I would have an objection to that, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the only hostility. Okay. Obviously, he has something against you. Mm-hmm. So, you caused that somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it's putting the brother... Uh, we have put the example of uh, God has hostility towards us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to be reconciled with the brother, and we've also established God... Um, has hostility towards wickedness and sin, mm-hmm. and so I would also say, no, there's hostility from God towards us that needs to be reconciled mm-hmm. because of our sin mm-hmm. that needs to be reconciled. Right. And with that too, 
it's very general, like you said, this passage. But the way it comes across, it sounds like you've moved on. This, this person could have moved on. Mm-hmm. They, they're not thinking about it anymore. But uh, the party that's been offended is mm-hmm. still offended. Right. Um, and uh, even if you've moved on, right. you're not, you have not mm-hmm. dealt with this relationship. Right. Yeah, I, and I think to a certain degree, he leaves it open as to whether, you know, the you that he's addressing is feeling any hostility towards yeah. the offended brother. But I think what we have to say is that the offended brother is feeling some hostility toward you. He's got something against you, so he's <coughs> feeling hostile toward you because of something you did against him. Um, you know, however you feel in response. You may have just like blown it off and moved on, like you said, or you might you may feel hostility towards him as well. It doesn't really say, but what we clearly see is that this brother he's hostile towards you. He's he's upset about something you did. Okay, so the hostility is going that direction. Um, now, is the person here um, that Jesus is speaking to is he being commanded to put away his hostility towards his brother? What's that? What was the, the question was, is he being commanded to reconcile? No, because we're, we're, we're after what does it mean to be reconciled. Okay. So is he commanded to put away his hostility towards his brother that has something against him? Yes. You think so? Yeah. In order to be reconciled, you would have to put that away. Okay. But the focus of this text seems to only be upon the person who's the worshiper. The, it doesn't seem to address the, the accuser. Could you explain further what you mean by that? Well, um, just, just the fact that uh, he talks about in verse 23 to, to be reconciled to your brother and tells him the process to go to mm-hmm. and, and then... Um, I mean, it does say come to terms quickly with your accuser. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually talking about a different situation. You know, I mean, it just seems like that and even verse 25 and following, it's all on the person who's being accused is the one who's taking the initiative okay. in, in the process. That's, that's all I'm saying. So it doesn't seem like this text really addresses the person who's accusing, you know, what their role is. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't address that, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't seem like this text, mm-hmm. that's the focus. It seems right. like the focus seems to be upon the person. Right. Yeah, the, the person who is to be active in doing this is the, is the, the person that's being addressed, not the, not the offended brother. Um, but maybe I'm just not making um, what we're after super clear. Um, what we're after is when we say that A is to be reconciled to B, who is the hostile party being, you know, in, in, the, in this construction, in this grammatical construction, A is to be reconciled to B, who is the hostile party? Okay. So um, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're aiming to show. And I think, I think that is the correct answer, is B is the correct answer. Um, 
So that's really what we're after, not like who is acting. Because obviously when God um, reconciles us to himself, he is the actor. But um, I'm, you know, I mean, we're, we're getting there, but I'm, I'm arguing that the primary focus here is that God is the offended party. God is the one whose hostility toward us is being dealt with in reconciliation. That that is the primary focus of reconciliation in scripture when it talks when it uses the terminology with in in human relationships of course think to be reconciled it normally uh, entails an apology and an asking forgiveness mm-hmm. of course I, I guess we apologize to God but we spend a lot of time asking for forgiveness what mm-hmm. God is concerned mm-hmm. maybe that's in order to reconcile, you have to apologize and you have to ask for forgiveness. Right. Yeah, there's, I mean, reconciliation in human terms and reconciliation between us and God functions different in a lot of ways. But specifically, um, what we're trying to demonstrate with uh, this passage is, is just the... Um, the direction of hostility based on the construction of the language. Um, so if A is to be reconciled to B, which way is the hostility going in that grammatical construction? That's the that's the question. I'm, I'm, it's evident to me that I'm not being as clear as I should be in this. So um, I asked the question, uh, is, is this person being commanded to put away his hostility toward his brother? Um, and, and I'll just like answer it the way that I think is the, is the appropriate answer so that maybe this will be a little clearer. Um, I do not think that Jesus is commanding this person to put away their hostility toward their brother. If, if, if the situation was simply that they were hostile to their brother and their brother wasn't hostile to them, um, they would not need to leave their gift at the altar and go to their brother to put away their hostility. They can put their hostility away right there. They're, they're, they're worshiping God. They can just put away their hostility. The issue is that their brother is hostile toward them, and so they need to go and try to make it where their brother isn't hostile toward them. They may or may not be hostile in return, but the issue isn't you need to put away your hostility towards your brother. The issue is you need to go deal with the fact that your brother is hostile toward you. That's what's being commanded. And if we put it in a parallel where um, this person is to be reconciled to his brother and we are to be reconciled to God, the concern there is not the putting away of our hostility toward God, but of God putting away his hostility toward us. And so that is um, what is happening when we speak of, uh, of us being reconciled to God as opposed to the construction of God being reconciled to us, which is not the biblical construction. I don't know if that's helpful in what I was getting at. Um, a similar passage, and I, I don't know if it'll be more clear um, in when we talk about it this way, um, 1 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11. And here it's talking about a marriage situation. 
1 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11. Um, Paul writes, To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. So, um, reconciliation here is the removal of the cause of hostility and the resuming of peaceful relationship. Um, that's that's what's going on. And so, um, it's. I don't know. I guess this this isn't this is probably like even less clear. So it's probably not even helpful for my. Uh, not being as clear as I would like on the Matthew 5 passage. Um, but I don't think that it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue of that the wife here, um, who has separated from her husband, um, needs to stop being hostile toward her husband. I mean, if she is, she should be. But the idea is that she needs to go and fix that relationship with her husband because he has something against her. If nothing else, because he left her. Whatever the situation is. What's that? Maybe she left him, actually. I'm sorry, say it one more time. she leave him? Wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does... uh, Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, she has left him, but I mean, I I don't know exactly what the cause is. Well, let's... uh, Maybe let's just look at some passages that are specifically on our reconciliation with God. And I apologize if that was not all as clear as I would like it to be. If you read Murray, it's really, it's really clear in the way he puts it. So apparently my translation of Murray is not the greatest. So um, well, let's look at um, let's look at Romans chapter five uh, verses. 8 through 11. Again, another another well-known passage. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, the question is, is this speaking about something accomplished subjectively when we're saved? or something accomplished objectively at a particular point in the past. What do you think? I'm going to go on a It seems to me it's more objective in the past. Uh-huh. Especially with uh, verse 11. Uh-huh. Um, we have now received, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There is a past tense to it. But he is also talking to believers, so I could see how it could be mm-hmm. a subjective thing. Because 
Okay. Um, I guess maybe I should be a little more specific in the in the question. Um, let's see. I guess in verse ten, while yeah. we were enemies, we bring himself to God by the death of his sin. Yeah, so that would seem pretty objective. Thing. Yeah, that's 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 specifically. I guess I should have been specific. That statement there in in uh, in verse ten uh, really is the question. So yes, it's something um, that's happened objectively in the past. Um, so I would argue from that um, that. I mean, when we think about it, it's like our hostility uh, toward God, is that something that happened objectively? Is, is, the, is our hostility being toward God being removed? Is that something that happened objectively in the past? Or is that something that happens subjectively at some point in our lives? Well, this verse 10 mm-hmm. talks about, you know, everything was in the past. We were reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. But also, he emphasizes that by the statement before that, that while we were enemies. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like once our eyes were opened and we saw who God, or saw our sin and saw who God was and, mm-hmm. and sought to follow him. This is while we were so hostile to him, we were mm-hmm. reconciled to him. Right, right. Yeah, when Paul wrote this, it was, he was talking about something that happened 30 years ago. But mm-hmm. We talked about it as something that happened 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of us still at times, if a person says he, he's never has gotten mad at God, he's, he's probably lying to us. Right. Sometimes we, we still get mad at God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I would argue, um, and again, I'm following Murray here um, from the the idea that this is talking about something that happened objectively in the past then when it speaks of uh, that we were reconciled to God through the death of his son the idea is much more on God's hostility toward us whereas our hostility toward him being removed is something that happens it does happen but it happens subjectively uh, later in our life in fact I would even point to verse 11, um, where it says, uh, more than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so it's more the idea of us receiving the reconciliation, and then at that point, that's when our hostility toward God is also taken away. But the, um, the focus of God reconciling us to himself in the death of Christ um, is much more on the idea of taking away God's wrath toward us. That his hostility toward us is taken away in the death of Christ. Um, Another point there, um, verse 10, um, it says, for if uh, while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Um, And then you look up just in the previous verse, verse 9, it says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood. Does that look like a parallel statement to you? Yes? No? Yeah? 
Yeah. So it, it speaks there of us being justified by blood, right? Um, and then it speaks of the, the death of the son uh, in verse 10. So it's actually tying, if you, if, you, if you buy the parallel at least, the reconciliation is paired with what? Justification. Now what does justification have to do? That's how we're reconciled. Uh-huh. Right? Because we're, we're justified by his blood. Uh-huh. It is how we're reconciled. But specifically, what does it have to do with it? In, 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 um, in relation to our question of, like, whose hostility are we concerned about? In justification, whose hostility is in view in justification? God is just to destroy us yeah. until we have been justified. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not so much our feelings towards God that are in view in justification. It's more God's feelings towards us based on his holiness and our sin. Does that that make sense? I'm definitely feeling like I should work on this lesson itself. No, I'm I'm catching that. Well, Krista, don't you think, too, I mean, I've just been thinking a lot as you've been driving this point home more and more and more. I mean, everything centers around God. You know, our orientation is always upon ourselves. But, you know, it's until that relationship with God is made right that anything with us then could be dealt with, you know. And so we we really are secondary to God. And and it even shows here in our reconciliation with Him. Right. yeah, that's true. And um, God, God is completely going out and doing all the work mm-hmm. so that we can be reconciled to Him. Mm-hmm. And to be justified is to be made righteous. Mm-hmm. So God, by Christ, the imputation, taking on our sin and us taking on His mm-hmm. righteousness, can be justified to us. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, He's done everything so that we can have right standing before God so that He can receive us. So He's done all the work there. Mm-hmm. Us as sinners, part of our sanctification is part of our being made in reverse right before God. We Through our sanctification, God works in our hearts mm-hmm. so that, and which really God has no loss. His hostility towards us. We were the ones that are the accusers and are the are the ones that are mm-hmm. at fault. Right. But through sanctification, God works in our hearts to bring us closer to God mm-hmm. in that peace and unity relationship. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. I guess say hey, it's even even when we are um, regenerated, our hostility toward God isn't completely eliminated. I mean, it is taken away, but. There's, there still remains some hostility toward God, even in regenerate people. And as the sanctification process works more and more, that is taken away and replaced by the love of God. But on the flip side, that you were saying, God's hostility towards us is completely removed. Mm-hmm. We yes. have been reconciled to God. Yes. Nothing more needs to be done. Yes, it is an absolute, complete removal of hostility on God's part. Yeah. And that, that's something the Apostle Paul never got over. He was constantly overwhelmed and amazed that the blood of Christ you know, would, would reconcile him to God. Mm-hmm. And here, 
2,000 years later, that same blood that Christ said at Calvary still washes away our sin. It still should, should give us an overwhelming... Lots of times whenever we have those aha moments, you know, it, you know, really, it, really, it really grips us and dawns on us. Mm-hmm. Just what Christ did. Right. That was two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. And still. Right. Same 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 thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can definitely tell in um, in Romans five just how taken with these truths the apostle Paul is. Um, that's also the case um, in Second uh, Corinthians, uh, another famous passage, Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, verses eighteen to twenty one. Uh, Paul says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making an appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how is reconciliation defined in verse 19? Reconciling the world to himself, so right. But how does Paul define that? Not counting their trespasses against. Yeah, not counting their trespasses against. Them. That's that's the the sum and substance of what that is. His his hostility because of our trespasses is removed, and he no longer counts that against us. So his hostility is taken away in reconciliation. And then what is the uh, what is the appeal in verse 20? The appeal is that you be reconciled to God. Yeah, be reconciled to God. Right? Not have God be reconciled to you, but be reconciled to God. Um, and I, I, mean, I think the biblical usage of that has the idea of looking at it from the perspective of God's hostility toward us being removed. You know, it's, uh, it, it's interesting because as you think about that, and particularly that, that emphasis on God, that that has a lot of implications for our evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and see where Christians are coming from mm-hmm. when they evangelize certain ways. Mm-hmm. So, so it's right. important to keep that. Mm-hmm. Emphasis where it's meant to right. be, where that recognition. Right. Yeah, that that would be, I think, detrimental to our evangelism if our appeal is that people would stop feeling hostile toward God. Yeah. Um, I think I think that would. I don't I don't think that would be very helpful. I think it is much more helpful to focus on the fact that God is angry with you because of your sin, and you need to take advantage of the provision that God has made in Christ for that his hostility toward you to be removed. I mean, well, uh, but that is I think it's stated the other way, but that is often found in his presented 
you need to love God. Mm -hmm. You need to let the language right. use. It's you doing something. Mm -hmm. Right. And what does that amount to? I mean, isn't that like the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, if that's the good news, is that I'm commanded to do that? To me, that's really scary. Because I don't do that very well. I need the good news that somebody else did that for me and that God is not going to hold it against me, the fact that I have failed to love him as I should. So yeah, if the, if the good news is, hey, start loving God you know, perfectly, it's like, uh, I don't think I can pull that off. That's the danger of the Roman Catholic doctrine because like as we talked about, God has done everything to be reconciled to us. Mm -hmm. And yet the Roman Catholics want to make it sound like we have to do something in the process mm -hmm. so that God can be reconciled towards us. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, you know, he provided Christ as a sacrifice, but we have, to have, we have to do something in ourselves to make that right standing. That we mm -hmm. have to approve upon our own works. Right. What? Yeah. Yeah. Not just Roman Catholic, but many evangelical uh, witnessing approaches anymore is God loves you, and all you have to do is love Him back. Mm -hmm. That's opposite. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but I don't have any qualms. You know, if I'm talking to someone, I really think it's a lost person. I don't have any qualms of telling him that God loves you. No. I have John 3.16. No. me up on that. I'm, I'm not saying I'm that not God doesn't say, love us. But if you're one of the rat. One of God's elect who loves you. I don't. I don't tell that. No, no. <laughs> to a person I'm talking to. But, but know. putting it putting it on them as all you have to do is love him when it has been clearly shown to us yeah. that without him we can't. Without God. I said God loves you and He wants to be reconciled to you. Yeah. You know. You need to start doing things God's way. Believe in him and trust him. Now, well, if you want a God's elect, you know. I, used, I mean, sadly, that's what, quote, Calvinists do. They say, well, I can't tell someone that God loves them. But sure you can. But Ken, I think you're arguing a point that Mark's no, no, not I, I, But I, I, Mark's I, not making that point. No, I, I, wasn't, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't talking that yeah. to him. Yeah. I was just saying that I don't, I don't have any qualms to telling someone that God, God, God loves them. But, 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 we can't. Say God loves you, so you all love Him back. That didn't even come into the picture, you know. I guess us Christians can can't even love God the way we were supposed to. That alone, non Christians. Yeah. Well, it's I mean it's it's definitely good for us to tell unbelievers about the love of God. But one thing that I I think sadly we often forget to do. Uh, is to tell people about the wrath of God as well. Uh, that God is angry with sinners. Um, not just angry with sin. And, you know, I mentioned that before, you know, the, the phrase you often hear, you know, that God, you know, hates sin but loves the sinner. Um, and in a sense that's true, but we need to understand that in a very real sense, biblically speaking, God hates the sinner as well. His wrath is upon um, all people who have violated his law. And that that wrath, that enmity, that hostility is only taken away 
in what Christ has accomplished. So that's very important. And even though I've been emphasizing that reconciliation is um, the focus of it, biblically speaking, is God's hostility toward us being taken away. Um, I don't want to um, neglect the, the notion that hostility both directions is taken away by what God has done. Um, Colossians uh, 1, 19-22 presents both sides just kind of um, in conjunction here. Um, starting in verse 19 it says, For in him, speaking of Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in the heavens making peace by the blood of his cross and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind so there we see even the, the hostile I mean the, the alienated could go either way but the hostility in mind is obviously man toward God uh, doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body uh, of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him so there you see more the Godward side of it that you are now viewed in his side as no longer worthy of his wrath because you are now holy and blameless above reproach in Christ and then uh, finally uh, Romans 5.1 um, says uh, therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ um, and that is really the, the end result of reconciliation, is that we have peace with God. Uh, that hostility is taken away. Um, and here, I mean, I think it is, again, good to see the emphasis on God's hostility toward us being the thing that's removed. Uh, because if we're just talking about our views of God, whether we're hostile toward him or not, I mean, that can ebb and flow to a large degree. Uh, but what God accomplished uh, in the atonement uh, is that we have peace with God. The hostility, the war, the, the enmity is taken away and we now are at peace with God. Um, it is no longer a situation where we need to fear the wrath of God because we are at peace with God. Um, and that should be a great comfort to Christians. Um, as you live your life, as you see that you fall short, um, you don't live up to everything that God has called you to, um, knowing that we have been justified through faith in Christ and that because of that we have peace with God, then when we fall short, we don't need to fear that we're going to fall back under the wrath of God because what Christ has accomplished has taken care of that we truly are at peace with God and it's, it's, a, it's a lasting and a permanent peace Chris, I, I think also if you look at verse 2 mm-hmm. where it talks about how we've obtained that access by faith into his grace so you have that access if there was still that hostility with mm-hmm. us that would be awful mm-hmm. but it goes on and it says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God in other words it shows that he's taken away that hostility and replaced that with something even greater. So I think verse 2 just sort of, you know, even accentuates verse 1 even mm-hmm. more so. Right. So that's yeah. how that's worked out. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very important doctrine. Um, I apologize if my 
my lesson was not as clear as it could have been, but hopefully you you all got something out of that. So, uh, let's uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, indeed we we do thank you for the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. That your hostility toward us has been taken away, uh, and Lord, we can just rejoice in you. We can we can come to you with confidence. Um, and uh, Lord, I just pray that you would continue the work that you have already begun in us of removing our hostility toward you. And Lord, just that you would conform us to the image of Christ, that we would be who we should be. And Lord, that we would always rely on the great work of salvation that you have accomplished. Lord, that that would be just central to our lives, uh, that it would be central to our um, struggle with sin, Lord, that it would be central to our gospel proclamation. Um, Lord, that we would uh, know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Pray in His name. Amen.